And now, the exciting conclusion, Comics Clash Part 3, all new, all different, strikes our fancy, The Dark Mike Returns! And you guys don't know it, but uh, Craig is in a bikini with a big sign that says Round 3. So. <laughs> I would absolutely be a ring girl. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> seems like a cushy job. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, for one, being coming back. For part three, uh, and two, being flexible. We've had mm-hmm. a, a few weird life instances lately that are causing us to record remotely and kind of last minute. So I appreciate everyone being flexible. Not a problem. After what Caleb has put me through for this challenge, Craig, there is nothing. I'm, I'm prepared for anything. <laughs> yeah. I've brought in three uh, wonderful stories, Rob. I don't know what, what you're talking about. Caleb, you brought one good story. <laughs> And it was the shortest one of the three. (laughs) (laughs) So brevity, brevity is where it's at, is what I'm hearing. No, good stories are where it's at. (laughs) Time is money. Time is money. (laughs) Uh, But welcome back to Strikes Our Fancy, the show where we talk about just that, whatever strikes our fancy. Uh, This week, we are in the third and final part of our comic showdown, DC versus Marvel. And in my mind, I know the winner. (laughs) <laughs> that well so and and the the conclusion from the past two episodes is we've the battles have shaken out one to one there's currently yeah. one point apiece right, so this right. is the tiebreaker it sure is i'm one of your hosts radioactive rob and with me i have i'm clashing craig the spectacular caleb and returning for his fourth or fifth entry third in a row at least is uh, our our good friend Mike? I am son of Marvel, Mike. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, as always, Mike, for coming back. We appreciate you putting up with us. Oh, I love to be here. You couldn't it's give us the all, cocktail of the pleasure. week, there, Mike. It's a Manhattan <laughs> where nice. most uh, Marvel uh, comics take place. So I thought it was fitting, and also fitting. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, in that vein, why don't you why don't uh, you each present to us what the comic of choice was this week, uh, Mike? Why don't you go ahead? Absolutely. Um, so this week uh, we were talking about Marvel's Secret Invasion run, where the Skrulls try to take over the world um, through manipulation and uh, you know a little bit of intrigue. And yeah, Secret Secret Invasion. I can't remember what year it came out, but was it 2015? 2008. Caleb? 2008? 2008 oh man at least that's right. the one i read sure yeah, yeah i read someone um so I, yeah i wish uh, i found this out uh just this week there was this year ryan north did wrote a uh, secret invasion like a what? another storyline for it oh like an alternate or like a reboot i have no idea i just huh. uh, i was looking some things up and i saw 2023 ryan north secret invasion those nefarious scrolls were at it again <laughs> I guess so. It wasn't the TV show, was it? I don't think so. He's a comics writer. Okay. Hmm. So they got the writer for Squirrel Girl to write an espionage story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, only someone with that kind of history can write that nuanced of a story, Caleb. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. It's a delicate tale. I mean, Caleb, really... this man for the past like 30 years has been writing a comic with the same five panels over and over again and convincing people that it's a different comic every day. He can do we, anything. We need more Squirrel Girl, though. I mean, we do. The, the fact that we've been this 
long in the MCU and we don't have a Squirrel Girl yet is very disappointing. We almost had one, but the show got canceled. I know. It wasn't at the... You, you can't do her in a visual media or in a, uh, like a live action because she's, she's too powerful. She's unbeatable. Uh, Milana, I mean... Milana could have gotten it done. Was, was that the, <laughs> the AT&T girl, right? Yeah. Milana, Milana Van Traub. Yeah. Yeah. I, she could be in a visual medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that at all. Yep. No, me neither. <laughs> so that's that's the quick and dirty for, for Mike's choice. Caleb, what did you bring to us this week? I brought the best Superman story of all time that's been written. All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison. That I see those eyes roll. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and do, do you want to give a quick rundown or do you want to, do you want to hold your cards to your chest? Um, your... I mean, Superman's dying. Dying of solar radiation. Um, oh, God. Another Superman dying story. <laughs> and he's got a year left to live. I think this one's unique. Oh, was it a year? Yeah. yeah I had to pick up on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It seemed to me that it was like two and a half days. Yeah, I thought I thought it was like a week, but... <laughs> I felt um, real truncated. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to take place over the year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. That's cool. Well, if that's the case, then... They really should have had something about because it starts off around Lois Lane's birthday, mm-hmm. and they should have had something at the end that oh, it's another birthday. All right, how can you die right before my birthday? I remember he did say like "Merry Christmas" at one point. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But I guess I didn't. There's hints there. I don't know when Lois Lane's birthday on. is, so I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that guests go first in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah, we can talk about Secret Invasion. Uh, So Secret Invasion, uh, the comics, not the TV show. Um, The TV show was fine, uh, but the the comics uh, was, I don't know, uh, another event that occurred. Um, One of those, all the superheroes (laughs) get together. That's that's what you want to hear of like a peak story of a given franchise. Like, yep, it sure did happen. Sure. Well, the the previous two choices that I brought to the table were like big multi hero events. And mm. this is another one of those. Um, but this one has, I don't know, a, a, a different feeling to it, uh, I think. So, yeah, quick synopsis. They find out in the very beginning, uh, Electra dies and turns into uh, morphs back into her scroll form and the uh, illuminati which is like reed richards um uh, iron man uh, uh, doctor strange hank pym hank pym yeah the the smartest and most powerful people in the world namor i think he's on it um the smartest and most powerful people in the world are part of this illuminati and they kind of knew about the scrolls ahead of time. So there's a really interesting story that leads into this event. Um, but yeah, scrolls have landed on Earth. They have taken the powers and personas of many of Earth's favorite and mightiest heroes. And they use that, their infiltration, to take try to take over the world. And they do for a bit until they are, of course, uh, bested by the fantastic heroes of the Marvel universe. It was a very short lived conquest. Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was like yeah. two days. <laughs> yeah. Which honestly would be one of my like negatives about it is it would be interesting 
living under scroll rule for a little bit yeah. longer and getting a little bit more mm-hmm. into that intrigue of things uh, rather than kind of battle, battle, battle. But right, what does, yeah. what does scroll occupation actually look I, like? Right. I would like? have liked to see at least an issue of um maybe some heroes working with the scroll and then you're kind of wondering are they scroll are they just biding time uh Mm. what happens to the governments of the world and we didn't get any of that that's true um but yeah so that's kind of the synopsis so i think caleb you probably read it before i read it uh so the the author of this brian michael bendis uh, he was doing uh, the new avengers run which ran for like 50 issues so he was like the architect of Marvel at that time from like 2005 to 2012. And I did a read through of his whole run with all the big events of war, secret invasion, siege, all this stuff. Um, secret invasion to me, in my own opinion, is the weakest of the events that he uh, curated. Um, I'm just curious, Mike, mm-hmm. what was of the three that you picked for us? What was your favorite one? Civil War by far. Civil War is yeah, my favorite yeah. Marvel event. Um, Where does this yeah. one fall? You know, that's tough. I would say Secret Invasion and um, Secret Wars fall. They're pretty similar uh, just because they're very different concepts. And so to me, they're mm-hmm. kind of hard to compare to each other. Uh, Secret Wars with Battle World and everything is just kind of a fun, interesting ride. Whereas the the emotions that Secret Invasion brings out are a lot different. And so, it, you know, it'd be hard for me to pick a favorite. You know, off the cuff, I'd probably say this is the third, but not a distant third. Yeah. I agree with that. I I didn't care for this one as much as the others. Although I am curious, I want to ask you guys... What was the lead up to this like? Because I did read that there was something going on kind of in the Marvel Universe that was tipping you off that this might be happening. Um, And I think having that context would have made this a more impactful story than just being dropped into, oh, shit, the scrolls are here. So uh, Elektra's body turning back into a scroll, that was that happened in the New Avengers issues that happened leading up to the secret invasion. But even before that, uh, Spider-Woman, she was making, in the New Avengers comics, she was part of the New Avengers before this. And there are a few panels where she's like making calls and saying mysterious things to various Mm -hmm. people from the get, from issue one of New Avengers in 2005. And that was like a four-year span from the beginning of New Avengers to the secret invasion event. Yeah. So Bendis was setting this up for a long time. Yeah. So there was a good That's setup cool. to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he pulled off the execution. They, they hinted a little bit at like some stuff that had happened prior in this run. Like they had said, like the Skrull want revenge. They want us to tear ourselves apart. They want to pull Tony down because he was so instrumental in their downfall. And like, I wanted more context there. I was like, what did Tony do? Like, how mm-hmm. did, how did humanity really fuck up the Skrull empire? Like, why are they so pissed? <laughs> sure. They just participated in the Kree Scroll War back in the eighties is when it happened. Okay. Um Oh, so it wasn't even really part of this run. It wasn't well, part right, of this run. This was a long time ago. He just sure. do what? Well, right before this there was the, the Illuminati like heard about the scrolls coming and 
they went out just themselves, didn't tell anyone. And, um, you know, I think they, they tried to destroy the scroll fleet and then, um, they ended up getting captured and that's actually their capture is what led to the scrolls being able to create like the super scrolls, the scrolls with the, uh, heroes of earth's powers. Okay. Yeah. So, so that kind of happened before, but, um, yeah, to Caleb's point, the whole them stopping the scroll from, you know, doing their inter, uh, what would it be, uh, throughout space conquest was uh, a lot previously in Marvel. There was also, sure, sure. Uh, on this read-through, there was a throwaway line by Princess Varanki, the, the main scroll woman. Uh, she says that you're not turning my people into cows again or something or laugh or you're not laughing turning my people into cows again mm-hmm. that was in like issue four of Fantastic Four back in the 60s when no. Reed Richards first <laughs> encountered the scrolls and to defeat them he made them think they were cows and they transformed into cows um, and <laughs> canonically somebody ate those cows and gained scroll like powers <laughs> oh wow so oh, really? this is pulling out <laughs> decades of deep There's- lore there's some deep cuts here, yeah. It is weird how they decide what's going to be continued to held up as as canon. Like, is have they done like a Star Wars where essentially they they say like, ah, oh, no, actually we're going to cut these runs out and that we're just going to pretend those didn't happen or that was a different universe. We're we're scrapping that completely. Uh, I mean, I know Wars, they obviously yeah. do the huge giant reboots, but like, do they ever like excise a chunk of? Of the lore and be like, yeah, no, we don't really like that anymore. <laughs> in Star Wars or Marvel? Marvel. I'm wondering oh, Marvel. Marvel. Okay. Obviously, they've done it in Star Wars, which um, Disney took over. Yeah, right. Um, I think, you, you know, I don't know if they've done that a lot in Marvel. They've, we, you know, when they had Battle World and kind of created this new universe, I think uh, that was kind of saying, like, hey, this is it's very similar to what we've had, but now we get to pick and choose what in the past actually happened. So that would have been one of the things. I don't know. Uh, gotcha. Caleb my has a lot, a lot comes more. From, well, yeah. My stance comes from everything's canon until it's not. Gotcha. Yeah. Sure. Especially yeah. when it comes to Marvel and DC. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that's just to, to pull something out of, like, yeah, such old, old issues seems like it's dedication. And it's 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 a fun callback. But it's also f- I would have assumed that they kind of tossed those stories aside. Like, oh, yeah, those weren't actually part of the current lore or part of the current story mm-hmm. um, so it is Marvel interesting itself that they... has a nice sort of sliding timeline um so like obviously in current days spider-man wasn't bitten in the 60s because the timeline slides with us so like gotcha yeah so yeah. they they try to, that's how they try to keep things updated like hmm. that got it yeah i don't know if i mean this is kind of how i always think about it is events that happened in any comic are they're ripe to be part of the history of the character, but oh sure, don't necessarily assume that something happened to someone until it shows up. Right. I guess I'm the opposite of Caleb. It's not canon until it is canon again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and like with the multiverse, you can say, yeah, what you read in the '60s that didn't happen exactly this way in the run right. that came out in 2005, but mm. something very similar happened in this you know different multiversal tangent Mm -hmm. 
So to tie back to what you were saying, Mike, though, in terms of kind of how this is tonally different than than some of the other picks you had um, or the other runs you picked, I should say. Um, I liked that this one was different. Like it wasn't so much a war. It was a who do you trust mm-hmm. kind of social deduction plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it but what I my takeaway was that it felt kind of chaotic. I like it was it was more like, ah, we don't know who to trust. And ah, what do we do? I wish that there would have been more moments of isolation. I wish sure, like we had a yeah. lot more characters like feeling alone um, because they don't know who to trust rather than just like, oh, I'm going to fight everyone because I don't know who uh, what else to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that, that I, th- I think it, it suffered a little bit. I, I also think it suffered a bit when um, kind of the only time they really did any sort of character deduction was Clint asking his wife mm-hmm. um, about October 18th or whatever whatever the day was. But he was wrong. She knew what to say. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he got it wrong. So um, I, I would have liked to see some people asking more questions like that, trying to deduce, are you the person I think you are? And maybe someone should have got it right once or twice. Well, oh, sure. Well, and I coming into this cold, I don't know what the bounds of scroll abilities are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Are they like face dancers that take all the memories of the person when they copy them? Or do they only know what they knew about that person when they make the copy? Well, I think, I think that was the point of that mockingbird uh, portion was, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you thought, Oh, if you had a specific memory with someone that they, they could never coerce out of them. You know, you could use that as your basis for, Oh, this is a scroll or not. And right. th- and then they turned that on on its head. It, you know, Clint absolutely believed her. Said no one, absolutely no one could have extracted that information from her, and they right. did. So so then and that gets you everybody alive in the ship. Which right, and that happened early enough on that it it, it gave you that like oh this is kind of mm-hmm. how it works in that universe. Yeah, that might have been more impactful if you were reading it as it was being released rather than reading the whole thing all at once because it. It sets up and then resolves very quickly in the way we read it. Mm -hmm. But so I guess I am still unclear. Like, do do the scroll have all the memories of the person they copied or not? Or do they have to extract the information using more traditional means? They can have all the memories of the the people. Okay. uh, And that was kind of the the Marvel, you know, where he didn't even Mm -hmm. know that he was a scroll. He just had all of the memories of Marvel until he was activated, and that's when um, uh, Spider Woman is, you know, kind of playing with Tony and saying, "Yeah, no, you're a scroll. You're our hero. This is all by your design." Because yeah, that was a great moment, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the Illuminati know uh, from from the things that they've done that oh yeah, they can they can implant memories. They can make you think um, that you're not who who you are they, they can make you think that you're a totally different person that you're a scroll um or mm-hmm. that you're not a scroll and you're a sleeper agent and so yeah having having that come about and that happens fairly early in the in the run kind of gives you some some boundaries i think what's interesting is so and you have to have a little bit of background on marvel characters but so emma frost she's uh telepathic she can read minds so she comes out and says, I know who the scrolls are. Like I can tell. And you would believe that because 
oh, she's telepathic. Maybe mm-hmm. she can tell. Except that she calls Spider-Man a scroll. And we as the audience had just seen Spider-Man get stomped by a T-Rex foot. And that that Spider-Man died and reverted back to a scroll. So then we know that she's mm-hmm. lying. But, the, but then it's like, well, could a telepath tell if they were a scroll or not? Like, we, we don't get that answer. Um, well, I, I, I like I, that moment because it also gave a little bit of maybe there was a double deception going on there that there were two scroll spider-men is it a sure. bluff within a bluff yeah, yeah. absolutely could be because what was it logan said or someone someone said oh now we know that they're all scrolls the people that were on the ship right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but they weren't they classified that whole group as scroll yeah just because of one so you as the reader when you're going through this at the very beginning you're like, oh, this is how you would tell if they're a scroll. Nope, that doesn't work. Okay, well, mm-hmm. it must be all the people. Nope, there, there's regular people and scrolls that came on the ship. And it just leaves you in the, with the sense of confusion and like, I don't know who to trust or who to believe as as the reader. I mean, no. I would agree. I, I do wish there was more of it, um, that it would have been a little bit of a longer you know, drawn out occupation where people were mm-hmm. trying to find different ways to determine who was a scroll. In this event, that, it was like they went from battle to battle to battle. And th- there wasn't a lot of time for that it, it, to be more interesting than, well, I don't know who to kill in this battle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the, the, kind of what I was saying, like, we to have more time to feel the isolation and to feel kind of the... um suspense i don't know if that's the right mm-hmm. word i'm looking for to that like mm-hmm. the, the the terror of being so alone and i would not say paranoia trust. Yeah, yeah thank you yeah. yeah yeah but again i always wonder with these does it just feel like that because we read the whole story in a day yeah maybe when it's weeks or even months between issues that paranoia like because you'll you'll be thinking about it mm-hmm. over that time so right. puzzling out how how we would try and assess the situation. Right. Yeah. And problem solve for it. That's true. Yeah. And there are the individual, like the tie in, um, you know, if you're just reading the new captain America or, um, you know, Hawkeye or something like that, like those runs, they had little things in, in them that, you know, elongated the story. I, I was a little frustrated. Might be too strong of a word, but, um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I personally don't really like Captain Marvel because I feel like she is always the deus ex machina. Like, she just shows up and she's so strong, she mm-hmm. always fixes the problem. Um, and I think that that's kind of poor writing and it's not very engaging. She's and fixed I, one problem. Uh, sure. <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I haven't kept up. Maybe it's gotten better. But that, I, I had that issue with the MCU. But I found myself having the exact same problem with Secret Invasion with Reed Richards. That all they had to do was save him. They had to they had to break him out, and then he instantly was like, "Aha! I know exactly how to detect them," and just made a MacGuffin and and had a laser that could reveal Skrull. Sure. Don't you dare talk shit about mm-hmm. my boy Reed right now. <laughs> <laughs> but to to be fair, they did have way at the beginning. He had figured it out, and. He, they he got kidnapped sure right sure like that but was it, that was the whole thing of his storyline was he knew what to do but he couldn't do it because they got him i agree though that that is like an easy out like oh mm-hmm. i i have a scroll detection machine like okay 
And I get it. That I think that's kind of an issue with comics in general. They, you know, they're short and they only have so many panels. And so you gotta, you gotta move quick sometimes, but mm-hmm. sometimes I think it, it makes it so it doesn't feel earned. Well, okay. But how would you have done it? Because unless you come up with something that is, uh, that just magically detects who's a scroll and who's not, everyone will always be wondering. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm not saying you can't get to that point. You can't have that be the conclusion that the story is going to end on, but make it a difficult process. Sure. Show sure. us that it took someone being particularly clever or it took some great sacrifice to, to get to that point. The fact that Reed Richards mm-hmm. went, aha, I know how to do it. And then he was captured. <laughs> then they broke him out and he's like, aha, I still know how to do it. That so is like, Reed Richards' it, it whole just... shtick though. Like I love that. I love that man. He's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. characters. Fantastic Four is one of my favorite groups. That is Reed Richards' whole stick is being incredibly clever. So yeah. I think if you're a fan, if you were a fan reading this as you know, if you're a fan of the Fantastic Four Marvel Universe in general, then Reed Richards coming up with that aha moment I think it makes sense. I think it's I think it's earned to the readers who have been following these characters for years, in my own opinion. Mm-hmm. Given enough prep time, Reed Richards can solve any problem. Reed Richards doesn't even need prep time. Yeah. Reed Richards <laughs> will just make the universe. He just needs access to his lab. Exactly. Or a lab, apparently. So that that's a personal preference is when when a character is supposed to be clever, I want to see them being clever. I want to see them puzzling something out i want them to explain their process and how they got there rather than just the light bulb turns you want to see the formula you want to see the the written down formulas (laughs) i I my some of some of my favorite stories are when they establish how a system works and then a character comes in is like wait a minute if we do it a little differently and then they're like aha we've done something new that i love that Uh, that that feels very earned to me so I will say in the uh, a couple of movie, the couple of Fantastic Four movies that there have been, I think that's a problem with Reed Richards is that they do kind of show him puzzling things out, and it makes him seem not as smart. Hmm. It it makes him seem like, well, yeah, he's a smart guy, but he's supposed to be like super intelligent, like beyond normal human intelligence. Sure, gotcha. that makes sense. Beyond our understanding. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Hmm. So did you guys like the run? What did, what did you like? And uh, Craig, you've kind of touched on things that you haven't liked as much, uh, which I think are totally valid. Um, but overall, was it, was it a good run? Did, um, did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it, personally. Like, I, I, did, I did enjoy reading it, read it, start to finish, you know... I, as, as is a clear indicator from some of the other stuff we've talked about, if I don't like it, I won't keep reading it. <laughs> um, so I, I, I did enjoy it. I just, yeah, I think, again, to your point, they they set a tone, and I liked that idea. I liked that tone, and I just wish they would have leaned into it more. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. is kind of where I'm at. Rather than it, it did end up kind of being a big climactic battle most of the time when it could have been isolating and, and paranoia inducing and you don't know who to trust and you could have had some really fun character interactions there right i i think i would have liked it more if i was reading it at the time i didn't particularly care that much for it but i could i the whole time i was reading it i was just thinking okay yeah this would be cool if it was if i was reading this one episode but reading it all back to back it's just 
uh, hey, here's a bunch of Marvel characters, and they're going to fight now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there just wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot to this story. And and like Craig said, there could have been a lot more. You could have had a lot of intrigue. You could have had um, a lot of deception going on. And they they touch on it here and there, but then it gets resolved in two or three panels. Sure. I think that's, that's as, fair. Yeah. As I'm thinking about it, though, kind of flip that on its head. I get that the point of the story was to fill the reader and the people of Earth with the sense of the invasion's over, you've already lost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the idea that it's supposed to happen quickly, I get, was built into the story. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and I thought that was great that it starts off, oh shit, they're already here, and it was like a third of the way into the comic, I think. They're in positions of power. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I, that was that was great. I loved that. But then it it all gets resolved with a series of in my opinion, not that exciting fight scenes. Sure. The fight scenes here are very chaotic. I think the artists didn't really do a good mm-hmm. job of like differentiating a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of sometimes one or two big splash pages of like a huge giant battle is pretty fun. But he did it a lot, <laughs> like yeah. the big splash page. And I just didn't care for uh, the art in itself, I think is fairly generic. But throwing those big splash pages at us, giving us less action to look at as opposed to just the big picture, I would have preferred a more close-up, nuanced look at the various little battles going on within the big battle, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the whole thing just felt really, really gimmicky. Like, let's just throw every superhero that somebody likes into this battle, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, we'll have we'll have Reed Richards sorted out at the end. For me, Secret Invasion, you know, is a very generic event that has happened. Um, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think the first four issues of that paranoia is probably the best portion of Secret Invasion. And I think if they had, I think if they had written it where it was more like a terrorist cells happening as opposed to a giant terrorist attack, yeah. I think that would have been a much more logical and exciting way to do this to keep that paranoia going. But obviously, it's a comic book. People want action. Right, yeah. But I think that would have been a much better way for Bendis to go about it, in my own opinion. Sure. I would agree, yeah. Still a cool concept. I do like the mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Like, and, and as I was reading it, and I want to pose this question to you guys, I did wonder, what would I do if suddenly all around the world, world leaders and celebrities and just random people were like, hey, by the way, we're here and we – like." Guess what? You're part of the empire now. I was like, yeah. what would I do? That would, um, yeah. And reading it, I did. I was hoping that the um, secret invasion show would be this. Apparently, it's not. But it, it made me want to kind of get back into MCU and say, hey, is this is this what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. It is not. The show no, was. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> The show has some very good elements, and honestly, I think they do a little bit of the the intrigue that you want um, mm-hmm. out of out of this series. I think they do it a little bit better in the show at times, but ultimately, like the ending that they chose for it, wasn't very satisfying. Sure, that's too bad. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Was a lot of what's going on in this would probably be better told in in a video format just longer form i think mm-hmm. yeah 
Like yeah, even, even even a book. Yeah, uh, yeah, novelization would be amazing. Yeah. Yep. Secret Invasion sucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was the weakest Marvel story that we read. But still fun though. I, I, yeah, exactly. it was fun. I think it was still it was still fun. Like yeah. I think we 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 kind of bagged on it hard, and I think that might be because this is the third of this that we're doing, and we're getting <laughs> jaded, cynical, and yeah. overly critical. <laughs> right, yeah. What took years for Marvel fans to happen to it just happened to you guys automatically. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it, to be only fair, Caleb, we have to bring that same energy to your pick, All-Star Superman. Mm. Let's oh, roll. I am going to bring it. <laughs> <laughs> I have been whining at Jody all day. I'm <laughs> Caleb, we might not be friends after this. Oh, no. Did you finish it at least? <laughs> I finished it. I read the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> I think I think maybe it's just Grant Morrison you don't like as an author. Could be, could be. I oh my god. From from the very st- – I'm just going to go on a rant here, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> rant it up. From the very start of this comic, the cover art, that smug fucking face that <laughs> Superman has. <laughs> oh, so bad. And then throughout the whole thing, I was rolling my eyes so much at – Every single thing he did, like, oh, I can smell that you have an oil leak, and I know exactly how that needs to be fixed. So not only does he have every superpower under the sun, now he's also a great mechanic. Like, this <laughs> fucking asshole needs to tone it down. This, I mean, Caleb, this really, this made me hate, super, this reignited my hatred for Superman. <laughs> wow. That was the goal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I was going to mention it when we talked about Final Crisis, but I wanted to wait until we we talked about All-Star Superman as well. Because, Caleb, when we had our episode about Superman, do you remember one of my biggest criticisms was? Re-enlighten me. It was that (laughs) he always gets a new superpower. He always has something new in his pocket. (laughs) To, to to whip out to solve the solve the problem and save the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In both Final Crisis and in All-Star Superman. A, a character says out loud something along the lines of like, "Oh, you have a new superpower." Like, yeah. like they, they acknowledge it. They 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 hang a lampshade on it, and I hate it. I hate that they're like, "Yeah, yeah, this is totally a thing we do all the time." But we're gonna keep doing it. Just I don't know. That drove me nuts a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. and, and this was even like after Superman was like poisoned and supposedly is dying and losing powers whatever professor q or Quint- quinton or whatever like yeah. says like oh did you manifest a new power today it's like what the, the, supposedly <laughs> no, the opposite supposed no, to be happening no that right is now. not what he said he, oh, what did he said say? it was it was like you've developed this new superpower and two others that i'm not aware of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he he he, I, he he was getting more powerful as he was dying <laughs> Yeah, Caleb, yeah. <laughs> this comic supercharged my cells and brought me closer to death. <laughs> that was also a goal. <laughs> yeah, at, at the end of this run, I've never empathized with Lex Luthor more. <laughs> the Lex, the the two issues was it one or two issues that Lex Luthor was in? That was the best part of the whole run because, uh, or yeah, he was in two, but like in the middle, he was in just one. That was the best part of the whole run because right before that. We have the great bit where everybody's bagging on Jimmy. Loved that. Um, and then, yeah, it's this whole Lex Luthor just being 
Lex Luthor being a huge prick to everybody around him and running his schemes from in from death row. That was interesting. That was cool. And then we go back to fucking Cube World is here now. And then, oh, and then now there's some there, there's some more supermen that were astronauts from Krypton. What the hell was that about? Why were they even there, Caleb? <laughs> yeah, where the where the hell did they come from? I got nothing for you. There. We've been bagging pretty hard, Mike. What did you think? <laughs> I mean, uh, I have I have some things that I wouldn't pick about, but uh, you know, all in all, um, I thought it was an interesting story, and we had talked a lot in the previous ones about, especially Final Crisis. Like, there's no heart in it, and Civil War had a, a lot of heart, had a lot of like human moments, and this one had those human moments, like. There twice while I was reading this, I cried. Like um, when oh, he was wow. helping, I can't remember her name, um, but the the girl that uh, was Reagan on the ledge, yeah, Reagan. Um, when he went mm-hmm. to go save Reagan, like I teared up. It was that was great. That was a, a fantastic moment f- for Superman. And then at the end, when when he sacrificed himself and and like it was the whole shebang, like I I teared up again. I I thought that was really, you know, and it's the the superhero sacrifices himself to save the day, but there was so mm-hmm. much attached to it that, uh, that built up through the series that, yeah, like I, I really felt something. And I think the, when, when he goes to save Reagan, I think that's really what superheroes in general, but you know, for Superman, I think that's what they should be doing. That my nitpick about the run was that these kind of, world ending events just kind of happen right like the yeah. the bizarro world popped up and he had to go you know defeat that and and that whole thing mm-hmm. it, which, which his time on the bizarro world was kind of interesting and kind of mm-hmm. like i don't know what's going on here um <laughs> but you know the the fact that this was just popped out and it's like it's gonna destroy the world well, and that, that happened come, with didn't that come as a byproduct of what project was doing on the moon that was See, I don't I know. Was that was like was that tied to the the black kryptonite or I mean, I don't think it was tied to the black kryptonite necessarily, but like they were pulling things out of the underverse. Sure, yeah. And I thought I thought something with that pulled the cube world into our universe. It's never explicitly stated, but I think the implication is there since they were messing around with mm-hmm. with that barrier. Sure. Um Yeah, there was some there was some throwaway comment that someone made i thought that at least to me it linked the two sure mm-hmm. um i just think uh, for me reading it i just thought these like world ending events popped up mm-hmm. randomly without much you know to lead up to it and then right, they yeah. ended kind of fairly quickly i think there was one issue of him on bizarro world and his interactions with zabaro were kind of interesting uh yeah but overall like i didn't love you know i feel like that could have been half of a comic or something the Um, the bizarro portion of this is my least favorite of the issues sure Mm -hmm. i would have appreciated it more i was i was actually pretty interested in it especially when zabaro showed up and he's like a tortured mind but doesn't want to be bizarro he's like bizarro bizarro but yeah it it just came out of nowhere, and then it's just 
this weird thing in the middle of this greater plot about Superman dying and mm-hmm. the 12 labors of Superman. Um, like, fucking get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of... Yeah, that, that was... If I was going to nitpick about the run, which is what I'm here to do, uh, there was too much <laughs> randomness, which is what yeah. I liked a little bit about the the choices I had were they were about one thing. And I, and I get like right. that's a crossover event. And this is a like a culmination of years of stories into the ending of one character's story. So obviously mm-hmm. they're, they're going to have a different feel to them. But there was just like the thing on the farm with the Superman from the fifth dimension and then him from the future, which was the unknown Superman and um, Ultraman, I think, or I, I can't remember the other Superman um, from like <laughs> 500,000. I was like, okay, that's yeah, the, the Superman squad, right? Like, wait, what yeah. the hell is this? And then the yeah. golden yeah. Superman arrives and yeah. I'm just like, I don't know what's happening here. Um, <laughs> and I'm not yeah, that entirely really... sure why it's important to the story. That whole issue, which is one of my favorite issues, uh, is it's all about him going back to say goodbye to his father. You know, all the oh, yeah, Superman's that was a coming up. Moment. Yeah, yeah, that was a great moment. If they had arrived to that moment a little differently, I think mm-hmm. yeah. it would have landed a little bit better for me. But I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna disagree with you there, Mike. Okay, I like the way they did it because it's one of those things you go back and you reread it and you're like, it hits different. Well, maybe. Like, yeah, I I like that. Like, because you're you don't know what's going on because it's so chaotic, and you're like, who the fuck are the Superman Squad? Why is this one Superman talking to John? And you're just like, well, this is odd. Yeah. And then and then suddenly it all comes together, and you realize that you just saw Superman's last moment with his dad. Sure. But then you go back and you reread it, and you're like, oh, like what Superman is saying to John leading up to that is impactful. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I, I can I definitely know, I, see that. I just, for me, I'm with I'm with Mike that I thought it was just it was just a random thing that happened, and then there is this nice touching moment at the end. But I was so confused by why we were even seeing this flashback mm. that it just I, it kind of ruined the moment. I think. Sure, it's like which what part of the story is this taking place in? Is this just a, a yeah. full flashback? To me, and it kind of begged the question then. Because we don't see our Superman that we're following through this story of him dying. We don't see him go back in time and have this moment, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get to the end and he dies. So we're like, okay, so when... To me, that left the question, okay, who did this? If this is supposed to be our Superman from the future, coming back to say goodbye to his father, meeting his younger self, but he died. So, so it, it just adds kind of a needless complexity to me and maybe it's superman from like a different timeline or something but i didn't think that was explained very clearly and so so you're wondering like, I love like the, in the in the timeline of all-star like when did he have time to go back in time right to see his father as the the, the unknown superman right? yeah he, go, yeah. he goes back with the bandages yeah when did that happen if we know that he dies at the end of it Right. I suppose in my head, like it takes place in the middle of the run, like, uh, and it's time travel. So like he could leave for a minute and come back in a minute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but is it, is the yeah. unknown Superman, the Superman that we're following? He's calling himself the unknown Superman at that point. Cause there is, they introduce him 
in like issue two when Lois is at the fortress, mm-hmm. and like giving a, a a message about J Lo from the from the future, like wondering what she is. Right. I always interpreted it as he took on that mantle just to kind of go back and see his father, and that was his excuse to wear the bandages. But then again, I love this character so much. I look past a lot of this bullshit. Sure. Well, (laughs) honestly, that's a really cool. I didn't put that together. Like, oh, this is the dying Superman that wants to come back and see his father before one more time before he dies. That's really cool. If they had added like two panels of him, you know, at the um, his Fortress of Solitude saying like, hey, Lois, I got to go do a thing real quick. And then stepping through a time portal, which he has there, obviously, because he has everything else in his uh, fortress of solitude um stepping through a a time portal carrying some bandages that gives enough lead up to me to be like oh okay i get where this is happening now and to me i just Uh, like if you want to keep the mystery have him step out of a portal at the end of it with the bandages and just just place that moment somewhere in the events that are happening yeah that because what you said, where it's him going back to see his father one more time before he dies, that makes it a lot more impactful than what I read in the story, and I think that's a fantastic moment. And that you know, going back, if I were going to reread it, that's pretty excellent. Um, but the way that it happened, like I just don't get that out of it. Okay, I, I suppose I guess I guess I'm just so well engrossed in the story. I always thought it was obvious, and if it's not. You know, obviously it doesn't hit Remember, you as well if it's not obvious. I'm not smart enough for DC Comics. <laughs> you got to spoon feed me. I interpreted it completely differently. Like, I assumed that the way the comic ended with Lois essentially saying he's not dead. Like, I assumed that unknown Superman is the Superman we've been following through All-Star just sometime in the future. Like, mm-hmm. I just assume he's not dead. Mm. Oh yeah, he's building shit in that sun to keep it going, but like yeah. he's just not doing Superman things anymore. So he could theoretically be out of the sun by now to go say goodbye. But I think it's more impactful if he does it within that year where he thinks he's dying. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like that that's really cool. I love that, but to me that has to be a headcanon, right? Uh cuz it doesn't really say that in the mm-hmm. comic. We're not told that. Yeah. But I love that. Like that honestly makes that issue where I, I was like, I don't know why. I don't know why we're here. You saying that makes that a lot more impactful. And then mm-hmm. I appreciate that more. So, Caleb, as much as I am enjoying <laughs> the lambast of all star Superman, <laughs> I feel like we should I feel like we should give you an opportunity to defend why you picked this one. Wait, no, I want to say something else. <laughs> the ending. The ending sucked. Um, because he's dying, right? He's doing his one last thing. He's he's gonna put the article out that Superman is dead, and he rushes to Daily Planet, and Clark Kent dies on his desk with with that article written, and then Lex Luthor's there for whatever reason. Um, I, I mean, it's explained that he's there because they are. He thinks they're, or he blames them for him being in prison. Sure, fine, whatever. I think that's kind of stupid when like he literally did the thing, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, him standing over Clark's body and attacking the Daily Planet, and then he hurts Lois, and Superman has one last gasp that 
revitalizes him enough to fight Lex Luthor. If he would have died then, after he beat Lex Luthor, great ending. That would have been incredible. But no, okay, so he did that, so now he's just going to go fix the sun. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> and then he's going to live up there now, in the sun, even though he was dying well, minutes ago. Th- yeah, that that was... My interpretation of what happened is he traded, basically, his version of heaven for one more moment, like, to do one more thing on Earth. <laughs> that, right. that was kind of how I interpreted that. Yeah. Like, the, 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 the biochemistry happening in his brain, he turned that off to instead go fight Lex Luthor again. Yeah. But yes, I completely agree with what you said, Rob. To fight Lex Luthor again and apparently just keep living. Right, yeah. <laughs> it just completely negated the whole the whole point of the comic, which was already on thin ice. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if 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 he if his life now is existing within the sun to fix it, so he becomes kind of like that Atlas figure, right? Like mm-hmm. Atlas holding up the world, not Atlas, the pervy guy in this comic. Um, <laughs> yeah, why were they even there? I think to 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 lean into the kind of the Grecian yeah. myth. Sure, bit, I think. Oh yeah, the, the twelve um, works of the twelve labors, uh, the twelve labors yeah. of of Superman. But so he goes to the sun, and that's where he exists now, like protecting humanity for all time. I think is the assumption that we're supposed to make from that. Like that's, that's his role now. He's, he is there as Atlas holding up the world, keeping the, the sun going for humanity. So while he's alive, technically he doesn't get to do anything. Right. You know, Rob, you may not love Superman, but Superman loves you. Just remember that. <laughs> okay, scroll. God loves me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's a good. He call still back. sucks. I like that. <laughs> no, honestly, I I enjoyed the feelings that I got from from this series. I think that. If I were paid a lot of money to write the story, DC would have gone out of business a long time ago, I'm sure. Um, but but for <laughs> me, there were certain beats that just didn't hit. There was kind of this randomness, this... Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what was up with the Universe Q. Like, the Universe Q exists to create Superman? Like, I'm not really sure. Um, and then there's, yeah, like, Project us. 2, which... yeah. Yeah, right. So we're we're Universe Q and we write stories about Superman. I don't know if that's like a plan to keep Superman alive or like I don't know. It was a little meta I, for me. Yeah. I totally yeah. forgot about that because of how inconsequential it felt. Sure. You were already seeing red at that point. <laughs> I was. You weren't well, seeing yeah. anything on the page. Yeah, Mike, you were you were you were exactly right. There are a lot of really tender touching moments. Mm-hmm. For me, I could see them, but they were completely ruined by everything that happened to get to that point because it was it was just so ridiculous and stupid that any of this was happening. <laughs> and then there's like the Project 2, which I think is like he's cloning Superman. So that would be my question, Caleb. What what happens next and how does Superman come back? Because like he comes back, obviously, but how does he come back? As far as I'm aware, that's the only this this is an Elseworlds story, so it's not like it takes place within the official canon of DC. 
Um, so he's never written a sequel about it. I think the implication is that like there is going to be a similar protector at some point. So this isn't main timeline super. No, no, this is a this is an Elseworlds story. Uh, just an alternate oh, okay. sort of storytelling. Sure. Yeah, it seems to me like the the trajectory of the story was the Superman that we've been following goes into the sun. Maybe he dies in the sun or maybe he lives forever in the sun. doesn't really matter. But he gave Quentin his super sperm and instructions to make really more. <laughs> yeah. Instructions to make more Superman. Yeah. And then we see some of them from the future. Oh, sure. That's interesting. Yeah. Genuinely, we're running low on time. And so, Caleb, you have taken <laughs> all of these blows. I want to make sure you have your space to defend this. <laughs> so can you tell you us why try. you picked this one? Yeah, yeah. Try, j- and, and, and you can address as many or as few of our complaints as you'd like. I would say that whatever I have to say about Superman is going to be falling on deaf ears. Because what I like about Superman <laughs> is what you guys don't like about Superman. So I'll just say that I love All-Star Superman, particularly because of the weird, random sort of things that happen. Uh, the touching, tender moments are more there for me than probably there for you. Uh, like the, the second issue with Lois, the third issue with Lois getting her superpowers, you know, uh, Jimmy Olsen getting his time to take down Superman as Doomsday. Like all these moments where everybody gets their time to shine. The Reagan moment is one of the pinnacle moments of Superman, uh, considered by many its beloved moment. And mm-hmm. it's such a simple four-panel page showing how important he is to some people. You know, like you saying that to somebody, I think it probably wouldn't hit as much as if somebody of Superman's caliber said that to you. Sure. You know, the uh, the funeral in Smallville storyline issue has more pertinent in my life now than it did five years ago when I first read it, you know? So like, uh, I think for me personally, because I love this character so much, I do consider this one of the more pinnacle runs, um, because of the cheesiness of Superman, you know? Cause it doesn't shy away from what it is. That's Superman. And it's, it is what Superman is. And it, and it, it hits you with the big parts of Superman which again, mm-hmm. I can't defend to you because you guys don't like those parts of Superman. <laughs> I sh- I showed this. I partic- there there was a lot of uh, debate within my own head of which one I wanted to, sh- to show you guys. Uh, there's a four issue one called All Star, or not? There's four issue one called uh, Superman for All Seasons. There's one called Superman American Alien. Uh, there's a lot of like origin stories that are really cool for Superman. Um, and I, you guys might like the Superman for all seasons one because it is a a bared down version of his origin. And Superman American Alien is another more recent iteration of his origin story, that that really sort of turns a lot of things on on their head about like how his parents brought him up. But for me, Superman All Star Superman is that pinnacle run of Superman, and again, it because it leans hard into those Superman tropes. Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite the gamble with this group. It really was. <laughs> and it did not <laughs> to, pay off. To use that. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I haven't decided yet personally. I, I I did like the callback to when Superman had that power to like shoot like 6-inch versions of himself out of his hand. 
And oh, yeah. <laughs> in this one, he he <laughs> shot miniature versions of himself out of his hand to like cure the people of cancer. So like it, knowing some of those things, and obviously I know. Wait, were were a, those supposed to be miniature versions of him, or were they the Kandorian the... scientists? Yeah, right. But they're that's like what I thought they were. They're like miniature Superman. They're right? miniature sure. versions. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. A, it's a callback. It's a, it's a call. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not a one for one. But um, you know, I know one quintessimal amount about DC as you do, Caleb, and so I get where like a lot of those other things happening tie back to many things in the from the start of Superman to you know present day all of the yeah. things that you enjoyed in, in the different runs, uh, all those callbacks would have like an emotional response. Mm-hmm. But you keep saying that like it fell on deaf ears. It might have for um, the other two. However, honestly, at the end of it, like I was really happy to have read this. I have nitpicks for sure. Yeah. But, uh, but honestly, at the end, like I had a warm, fuzzy feeling and a tear in my eye. I thought and it that's was what he's a, supposed a to do experience. to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was a fun experience. And um, you'll never warm my cold heart. <laughs> I don't know if it made me want to read more of what came before. I don't know if there's anything that came before, if this was an else. No, this is a Elseworld self-contained story. story. Yeah. yeah. But, but I liked it. Like I, yeah, there were issues with it. I didn't like some parts of it. I don't like that he created a little mini universe and Bizarro World popped out of nowhere and like some of the randomness. But the feeling that I had at the end of it was like I'm I'm happy to now be able to hold this story in my heart. Well, thank you, Mike. The most appreciative member. <laughs> uh, before we do go, though, I do want to point out like uh, one of the other bigger reasons... Uh, that I've chosen this particular story was the artwork by Frank Quietly. Um, There's a lot of great moments in here. My favorite summary of Superman is that first page of issue one, which has four panels. uh, It's like, and it's eight words, dying planet, uh, loving parents or something, kindly couple. So like they were able to sum up the history of Superman in four panels and eight words with such amazing art. Yeah, that was, that was really great. You know, I, again, I think there were a lot of really great character moments for Superman and, and for the other characters too. Um, because like there, there was the moment with Jimmy where he's kind of getting picked on by everybody. And then he goes off to do his, to go to the moon and (laughs) be project for a day, be project leader for a day and is a really cool guy for a little bit. Um, but yeah, so there's like a lot of touching moments in it, and even not having the the backstory, like not being as familiar with what's going on with Superman as you guys are, I could still see that there was in the writing a lot of love for this character. I think this story could have just used a stronger editor, someone to yeah. say, "Well, hold on, you didn't explain that, or leave this out because it it's not." It kind of ruins the moment. Um, a, a little bit of editing on this story, I think, could have turned it into a story that I would have loved. I think I, I would agree with you there because uh, I think I think you could have shortened the run by six issues. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's a there's for me there's a lot of stuff that could be cut as well. Like I said mm-hmm. before, I'm not a particular fan of the Bizarro World entry. Um, is is Bizarro like quintessential Superman? Is that why that was put in there? Oh yeah, uh, Bizarro like, World and Bizarro itself is, mm-hmm. has been part of the Superman lore for a long time. Just the opposite of Superman, yeah. quite literally. Yeah. I just I wonder how many choices were made about this particular narrative specifically because they're like, well, that's like that we can't have su- if we're gonna do an all star Superman with with quintessential moments and with callbacks to like the great hits is Bizarro just something we have to have? I wonder if that was kind of the decision or if it was like, no, 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 we want this. We actually truly want this as a villain in this arc. I would wager that like he wanted to call back to Bizarro himself. So he, he created this Bizarro world like that. Sure. Um, and Bizarro world has been part of the canon for a long time, but I've never seen it portrayed quite like that. Hmm. So that's kind of what put me off of it. I, I thought it was an interesting portrayal of Bizarro World. I I would have liked to actually see a little bit more of that. I just, I don't want it in this story. Yeah, sure. I was not a fan <laughs> of the Bizarro World. It, like, every, yeah. you just say no in front of everything, and then you get shit done. Like, I, 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 <laughs> no, I just, it, it was I, a little I, annoying. I did not like reading any of the dialogue during yeah. that that stretch. In the uh, the audio version that I sent out, um, the guy, he adds a little bit of uh, some self-commentary every now and again. And when they were talking about, like, there's Bizarro Flash and Bizarro Green Lantern, he said, oh, you're wondering where Bizarro Batman is? Uh, yeah, he died because his parents shot him to death. <laughs> and I just thought that was a funny <laughs> joke. <laughs> like, yeah, that probably would be Bizarro Batman. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So who's the winner for round three? And I guess for, for the whole <sighs> comics clash thing two titans came to fight right. <laughs> three rounds who comes out i can out only on speak top? for myself and I, and I gotta i think i have to do what i did with the other ones which which one do i want to read more of like which one would i want like more story or more like content in and i don't know what the answer is <laughs> <laughs> i don't know um how about you, Rob? Do you have a clear-cut answer? I mean, it seems like you do. <laughs> yeah. Of, of these six comics we read, definitely Marvel for me. But that Superman or the, the Batman comic was the so clear winner among all six. And I think way back at the beginning, I said something to this effect. When DC hits it, they hit it out of the park. They They do so amazingly well. But DC kind of drops the ball a lot. Yeah. And I I think overall, maybe Marvel doesn't doesn't have as many heavy hitters, but you're more likely to get a good comic, any Marvel comic that you pick up. I'd agree with that. I I think for me, I th- I, I I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. I'm just going to let it blurt out. Stream of consciousness. I think for me, the winner of this round was Superman. I think I, I think I actually did prefer Superman over uh, over uh, Secret Invasion. I think because it had more character moments, because it had more touching kind of human humanization of Superman versus mm-hmm. Secret Invasion was a broader story involving way more characters. Um, and I think that's just my cup of tea. So, so that's my vote. 
How about, but so to you guys, to Caleb and to Mike, you guys obviously came into this with an agenda. You wanted to win, but <laughs> are either of you willing to concede or, or say like of the six that were chosen, like you have your favorites or are you sticking to your Ooh. guns? Um, you know, for me out of the six, like civil war, that's always going to be my favorite, but there's just mm. so much in there that is to me like perfect storytelling. Uh, there are nitpicks uh, that you can have, but it's, pretty much great uh for me for this round it's kind of tough you know secret invasion is a little bit more of a blockbuster hit it's got the the big scenes the action Mm -hmm. um and and this superman run is is a little bit more of it just makes you feel something so it just kind of depends on what you want um yeah you know there's nothing wrong with a big blockbuster hit in the middle of the summer uh with lots of action and and you know violence and you know whatever all that stuff that you want you know i think for me in the end it's hard to to pick a winner out of these two comics how about you caleb having reread everything i do realize final crisis is a huge misstep um (laughs) (laughs) uh civil war is still one of my favorites uh secret evasion to me is a letdown still it was a letdown the first time i read it uh when i was reading it in the midst of the big of the big new avengers run uh and secret wars to me is a perfect cap to that avengers run itself so i think marvel wins out honestly to me because i love secret wars i love civil war uh, Batman Court of Owls, uh, I really love and Su- All-Star Superman, I really love, but like I, as much as I've defended DC throughout these, uh, throughout the month of October, I am a Marvel ba- fanboy at heart. And I think, I just think they have much more interesting stories, but I picked out the whole point of this exercise was that DC should not be dismissed out of hand. I, th- I think you absolutely met that yeah. goal. The the challenge yeah. that I threw down at the beginning was that DC was boring, and I think you disproved that. Uh, it's not for sure boring. Yeah. Um, the Batman comic was absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, and there were definitely really fantastic things about the the Superman run that made me like I wanted to complete the story. Like I wanted to keep mm-hmm. reading it. Uh, there were. There wasn't ever a moment where I was like, well, this is garbage and wanted to throw it aside. There was a little bit of that in uh, uh, the first one. Uh, what was that? Uh, Final Crisis. Final Crisis. Yeah, Final Crisis. There's a little bit of that in Final Crisis where I'm just like, I, I don't really want to finish this. But there wasn't that in the Superman <laughs> one. Like, I, How long is this? 400 <laughs> pages? And Rob didn't but, finish it. Good on you, Rob. I'm sticking to your convictions. <laughs> <laughs> but the Superman one, like, yeah, I wanted to see how it ended and... Mm-hmm it made me feel things along the way and it had some of the mo- most memorable moments out of all six issues. The the part with Reagan, that's my favorite moment out of any of the six mm-hmm. uh, runs that we read. For all I shit on it, um, it did. And, and I think this is exactly what you were going for. It did humanize uh, Superman a little bit. And like I said, I did enjoy those moments. Um, I just, I wish we would have had less randomness. It's just surrounded by stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the comics clash. So I think what I heard in there, Caleb, was a, a, a conceding defeat, but victory in your ultimate goal. For sure. So, yeah. Hearts and minds. You weren't here to win the. You weren't here to win the war. <laughs> you were here to win hearts and exactly. minds. Exactly. And then it's the underdog. It's the Rocky story. <laughs> Next time on Strikes Our Fancy, we'll be forcing Caleb to read or watch something that he absolutely hates and it's going to take him like four hours to get through it but listener thanks for joining us uh during this this uh tumultuous time as we we, uh we dissected these comics if you have any thoughts on anything you heard today or uh across the entire war you can reach out to us at strikesourfancy at gmail.com and you can also go down to the description of the episode and send us a voice message if you'd like and you might trigger another battle if <laughs> if uh, you say some particularly contentious shit. Oh, I know what we can do for next time. We can force Caleb to watch all of Steven Universe oh, and then yeah. bring Danny on to talk about it. Yeah. I'd give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, you, you do hate animation, Caleb. That's right. <laughs> hate, animation and I was musicals. Say, I hate musicals, animation. You guys are just making these big, broad <laughs> distinctions about me. Yep. And Steven Universe is both. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, thank you for kicking this whole thing off, sending in a, sending in a message, and having such a contentious stance uh, <laughs> that we had to dig into it. We appreciate it. Of course. I'll throw shade um, anytime. All right. Yeah. Well, not just throwing shade, though. You stood up for your convictions, and you came up, and you you represented. So we appreciate well, thank it. You. Thank you for uh, allowing me to reread Civil War and Secret Wars. I haven't read them in years, uh, so this was a nice sort of refresher, and it was nice to kind of dip back into into that, those stories again. So, sure. Yeah, and it it gave me the excuse to read these stories that I probably wouldn't have read on my own, mm-hmm. and I, uh, except for Final Crisis, I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So that's all for this week. We will catch you in a couple weeks. I have been Calamitous Greg. I'm Raging Rob. Spectacular Caleb. And victorious, but open-minded Mike. Fuck you, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Caleb.